Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to um, Resilience Unraveled. Kristen, I've forgotten the name of the podcast. 350 episodes and I've forgotten the name. What can I say? Um, That's us here at Resilience Unraveled and... Kristen Albert, Dr. Kristen Albert is sitting in front of me, a doctor of education, which is lovely. And um, she's come to tell us all about exciting, imaginative things, which include resilience and all other things around that. So um, if I'm sounding vague, it's because I am. And uh, first of all, welcome, Kristen. How are you? Great. Thank you, Russell. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm excited for our conversation. Me too. And um, we're having technology problems, peeps, today. So um, some of the information we normally have, I can't use yet. But who knows? It might make things better. I might be able to actually listen. How about that? Wow. Wouldn't that be a first? And novelty, some might say. Um, so, Kristen, tell us a little bit about yourself. What it is? What is it that you do? Yes. Well, thanks again. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. My name is Kristen Albert and I am a leadership coach um, and um, a leadership coach, a podcaster, a community organizer and um, all around leadership. Um, And I've been doing this particular work for 10 years Um, in August of 2022 was my 10th anniversary. And I left a, a 30 year career in education. Um, and that's part of my resilience story that I'll share with you today. But I left a 30 year career in education to start my um, leadership coaching. And uh, and the common thread throughout my 30 year career in education was uh, creating teacher leaders, uh, the students, te- the students that I was teaching to become leaders and also in the classroom. So leadership's been a common thread throughout. And I suppose as we've both got doctorates. I mean, it, it would be rude of us not to define what leadership was to start off with. It's a it's a great question. Um, yes. Well, I use a very specific tool to define leadership. It's called the Leadership Circle Profile, um, and it's put out by Bob and Bob Adams and Bill Anderson, uh, and it encompasses all of the all of the uh, <clears throat> all of the areas that are positively correlated to leadership effectiveness and those areas that are negatively correlated to leadership effectiveness. And so when I think leadership, I think a very comprehensive view. I think um, I think of creative leadership that is both uh, that is both um, grounded in relationship and grounded in task. 
Um, an exceptional leader, I believe an exceptional leader knows what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. So what, what, how they're leading, they become a student of leadership because, you know, we end up, we have technical skills um, and oftentimes are uh, promoted to leadership positions, but we really know nothing about leadership other than what we have kind of parsed together from people that we've watched and experiences that we've had. And so when I look at leadership as, as a creative continuum, I'm talking about the ability to the understanding of relationships, your ability to be self-aware, um, your authenticity um, and integrity as a leader, but also your systems awareness and your ability to achieve. These are all positively correlated with leadership effectiveness. And so when I deal in, with leaders and do leadership coaching, we're unpacking all of those areas um, because it's not, you Google leadership books on the internet, you're going to get 60,000 hits and they're all people's theories. Yeah. But what Anderson and Adams have done is they have actually done the research to show which are the positive aspects of leadership, positively correlated to leadership effectiveness. And so when I think leadership, I think about the details of leadership. Uh, so what do you mean by that? Details of leadership. The details of leadership. So um, the details meaning um, how relational are you as a leader? Where are where are you showing up as a leader that are positively affecting the people whom you are leading? Or are you protecting? Are you controlling? Or are you complying as a leader? So, um, so I, as a coach, I listen for clues as to how this person is leading within their sphere of influence. I listen for those clues and help them to recognize those things that are, that are actually holding them back. Mm. Um, and so, so I, I look for the so details. So it sounds like a blend of process and traits, the way you describe it. Is it is a blend of process and traits. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and do, you, do, you think that's, do you think that's part of the problem for leadership? Because actually, I mean, trait theory was, well, it started with the military world, I suppose, but trait theory sort of came in and influenced it and mixed up this idea of what you do and how you do it. And therefore, no one's really quite sure anymore. I mean, it's a, I, I, there's probably a term that describes the, um, the stripping of meaning from words as they're used and abused over the course of time. And stress is one. Resilience has become another. Woke yeah. is another word. Leadership for mm -hmm. me is one. I always find it a... Yeah one of those completely fascinating and absolutely utterly pointless exercises on leadership courses when you talk about the difference between leadership and management. It's a good chance for the trainer to have a snooze for an hour and a quarter, or quarter I've always thought. And, absolutely. And to which the conclusion yes. is they're all the same. And um, and so it's quite interesting. So so it's quite interesting you define it as that because it's not about levels, isn't it? Because that's the one thing you haven't mentioned. You haven't mentioned hierarchy. And I think a lot of people mm. equate hierarchy with leadership, don't they? Yes. And have you heard of the Peter principle? I have. The Peter, okay. The Peter principle being people are, are um, promoted to the highest level of their incompetence. Yeah. I believe is how it's put out. Um, yeah. And hierarchy, um, you know, we have these hierarchies in organizations that doesn't necessarily mean that the folks at the top of the hierarchy are any more skilled as leaders as those below. And so um, this leads me to my, my thought leadership that, Everyone at every level of the hierarchy, if we're going to live within hierarchies, the recognition that everyone within, at whatever level you are, you are 
capable and responsible for leading within your sphere of influence. Right. Um, and so, so my leadership development is not just aimed at the top of the hierarchy, but if we're going to actually change the world, if we're going to actually make this world function and be a better place, everyone needs to understand that from the time they get up in the morning to the time they lay their heads down at night, that they, every interaction they have, whether it's with themselves, their own personal uh, self-leadership, but every interaction that they have is an opportunity to um, to lead and to um, uh, to show up with the disposition of a leader. Um, so, so, and, it sounds, so it sounds, and I, and I may be putting words in your mouth here, please don't let me do that, but it sounds the way you're talking that leaders lead people, managers manage process. Is that sort of your school of thought? You come from that that sort of uh, provincial base, yeah? I have trouble with the leaders-managers issue. Managers lead process, but they also need to be mindful of the leadership interactions. So managers lead process, but they also, so they, they lead, um, they understand the system and they understand what it takes to achieve within that system, but they also need the leadership qualities of relational, um, being relational, um, creating caring connections, creating teams that are collaborative, that are functioning, unless that's, unless, you know, the widgets don't get made. If we're all asked, if we're all, yeah, it's interesting. You see, I've I've always I've always and increasingly seen the sort of a silo congruent leadership, which is um, it doesn't really matter if you're um, good or bad or evil or whatever it might be, as long as you're congruent, you can get successful results. So, for example, I've worked in an organisation which has amazing returns, and most leadership coaches go in there and their eyes are out on stalks and their hair standing up on end. Uh, that's not much of it left in my case. Because they do everything wrong, but they're inherently successful, and I and I and I just wonder whether some of our leadership models are really based on a, actually a form of in, sort of a form of theorizing that has little to do with the real world. You know, the idea that we learn lessons about leadership from Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. You know, we we, we take people who are one in a generation and we say, well, let's do it like them. But they didn't know what they were doing either. And so we get a, yeah. a vast level of incompetence sort of following yeah. each other. But, you know, we're raised on, you know, how many people haven't written, I, I have as well, haven't written a book, you know, they get to the top of organization by luck and now, they, now they're professional speakers and they're telling one how to do it. But they had no idea what they were doing. And exactly. when, and where does yes. where does blind luck come in the process? Where does faking it till you make it? Where does lying brazenly into the eyes of your stockholders because actually you know they've got to believe you for one more month? You know all that stuff is part of the leadership yes. thing, isn't it? Yes, indeed. And so that's why that's that's where this idea of intentionality becomes important. That 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 belief that leaders. You know, the ones that get there just by sheer luck. And uh, I wouldn't want to go to a doctor that doesn't under that hasn't spent not only spent time, but studied um, the anatomy of the heart. Yeah, but you see, no, that's, want- that's brilliant. I, I love that analogy. Sorry to jump in. And, and we often go to doctors who did study the anatomy of the heart 50 years ago. And I think that's the problem with leadership. Yes. We're following yes. ancient tropes 
and trying yes. to talk about a brand new world. So, yeah, I'm very happy to go and talk to a person who's looked at the latest research. But normally when you go and see a doctor, you probably know more than them on some occasions. You know, I uh, we had interviewed a, um, um, a surgeon who specialised in back surgery. And he said to me quite blithely, you know, I'm the world expert in back surgery. Only about 20% of it works. And it's like... <laughs> Because the, the most modern the most modern data is don't operate on people's backs. But we're in yes, tropes yeah. which say, you know, what's the old phrase? The man with a hammer sees every problem as a nail. And the art surgeon is yeah. going to take your heart out or whatever he's going to do. And I just think leaders end up, you know, following the trope of leadership, which is they, they, they go in, they take risks, they get comfortable, you know, they get you get less brave, and then they're terrified of making mistakes and then they retire. Or they're being yes. pushed out of the way by, you know, millennials who are thank goodness you know sort of changing the status quo i just wonder i just wonder whether the um i just wonder whether the whole paradigm of leadership's got to change i believe it, it i be, absolutely believe it does and i believe this tool and i'll i'll show it to you but the the uh the audience can't see it but it's it's that leadership circle i believe that the answer is in these details and that's why there's there's this need for intentionality around as a leader, knowing why you're doing what you're doing and why it's working and how it's working and being able to um, to be resilient enough to recognize that there are no perfect answers, but the risk taking. Uh, but it needs to be an intentional process. And I and I a, a prince uh, intentionally understanding what you're doing as a leader and why it's working or why it's not working. Okay. So, and I think it's that intentionality that's missing. Yeah, get that. And that's all bounded rationality, isn't it? So most leadership coaches are banging on about, no, it's not about rationality. It's about trusting your gut, trusting, yeah. following your heart, you know, all this that's sort of stuff. Part and, of and, it. Well, yeah. you see, I, I tell me more about that because, you know, I mean, gut, gut reaction is simply cognitive processing anyway, isn't it? Isn't it all bounded rationality? Yeah. No, well, as an I'm an ontological coach. Okay, your ontology is your way of being. Sure. Your and you cannot separate your brain from your emotions and from your body. Mm -hmm. And so your body holds clues that your brain might not be aware of until you've paid attention to the clues in your body. Oh, I agree. And it's very and it's so it's very fascinating to, you know, you can make quick cognitive decisions um believing that that was your gut reaction. But that might not have been your gut reaction. That's just your brain telling you it was your gut reaction. Yeah. But really being able to sit with your body and to feel. And it's a it's a very, um, dare I say, spiritual practice of being able to listen to your, your body and and actually letting it tell you what it is that you're not cognitively understanding. Yeah. So I mean, there is a lot. He said about intuition. Yeah, I don't buy the intuition argument, but I do buy the listening to your body because Van der Cox talks about you know the body knows the score and all that sort of stuff, and I and I, I think that's very true. And and you can discuss that. And, and those of you listening, I probably noticed that I'm having a thoroughly lovely time. And um, um, my guest is not frightened of a robust argument and debate. That's very lovely. So expect if you work with her to to be able to have a good conversation. So um, I'm I'm impressed on your site. You talk a lot about diversity and. Um, uh, equality and such like, um, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a great believer in that. But I wonder if you would like to say a few words about that, because for me, it's how you harness the potential of difference is one of the key things mm -hmm. a leader should be doing. Right, absolutely. Well, I think the key for me has been um, 
a journey of of learning. So I am, for those who are listening, I'm a white woman of European descent. Um, and so my descendants, my ancestors colonized the United States and all the all of the things that they did for that that we did weren't taught in our history lessons in the US mm-hmm. over the years. And one thing I needed to do, and I, I came upon it rather um in, a, in an unusual way. I was at a dinner theater watching a movie or watching a, a performance that had um very stereotypically racist undertones. And it was a it was it was a a show that had no uh, business being shown, being produced in this day and age. It was mm-hmm. offensive. Mm-hmm. But there were 300 mainly white people in the audience that were watching it and and saying, this is oh wonderful performance without mm-hmm. saying, what's wrong with the picture? We weren't having those important conversations. And so it was at that time that I began um digging into some curiosity about what it is that I was not seeing yeah. as a white woman of European descent. What were, what was my relationship with implicit bias? What was my relationship with, um, with microaggressions? Um, what was happening? What was I being, um, what, what, how was I benefiting from systems that have been created over time? And so this was April of 2018. And so over the next um, several years, I I did this work for myself, um, put, going taking courses, reading books, learning from people of color, um, and in that process was encouraged to help uh, to create a, to create opportunities for other people like me, um, white Americans of European descent to do that work in themselves. Mm. Um, diversity work, I think white people, I'm gonna, in in general, jump to what can we do? How can, what do we need to do? You know, what's our next diversity initiative? Mm. How are we going? They Again, they don't take the, the time to recognize what it is that, that they don't see, but they're not seeing that they don't know, and, yeah. you know, unpacking what they don't know that they don't know. Yeah. And I think this personal work has to happen. I also believe that um, you can't do this work without being in relationship with people of color, mm. but you can't just create a relationship with people of color because they're not our, they're not our, uh, it's, it's not up to me to, to go to a, a person of color and say, teach me. That that is absolutely inappropriate to ask them to relive their traumas uh, to edify me, mm. and so um, so this whole emphasis on diversity and inclusion, and I work uh, through my church in justice ministries, um, so working to change systems, educational systems that are that are broken, uh, prison reform, uh, unfair housing, mm-hmm. you know, these these areas of social and racial justice. But um, but I think the very first step, if the leaders who are offering these diversity, edu- uh, equity and inclusion work, if they are white, 
and they have not done their own personal work and really immersed themselves in um, their relationship with white privilege, implicit bias, white supremacy culture, mm. um, then they really have no business doing this work because it's not done from a, a top down. It has has to be rooted, yes. um, rooted and yet, in... And it's interesting that you're saying that as philosophically you talk about that, but practically and politically, your, your country is moving away from that view at the same time as espousing it. So it's, you know, and it's a sort of, and it's happening in, in a lot of regimes across Europe and the world that actually... We talk a good game about it, but politically, I mean, there's vast yes. parts of America that actually everything you've just said, they'd be totally disagreeing with you. Yes, absolutely, they would. Um, but that and, doesn't and mean that doesn't mean it's right. Of course, you know that doesn't mean sorry. That doesn't mean it's not right. I should be yes. clear on that. Yeah, um, their reactions are based in fear. Yeah, um, I think my guiding light is if it comes from a place of love versus if it comes from a place of fear. Mm. And if it can be grounded in love, and I do believe that those folks would say, no, this is grounded in love, but if you drill right down to it, it's grounded in, in fear. Yeah. And and um, and I don't, I, I, it's interesting perspective talking about the love thing, but actually I think all change has a negative reaction because you know the vested interest pushes against it. And the fact that it's so loud, uh, the hostility is so loud is a sign that the, the positive movement is starting to work. And you're right, it's, it is in fear. And I think actually one of the jobs of a leader is to remove fear from the workplace, isn't it? It's that psychological safety thing we need. It's that allowing people to say what needs to be said, but but at the same time being accountable because you can't just have some sort yeah. of happy, clappy, let's all just do what we fancy today culture. You know, oh, it's, I, have, I mean, I they, they, they work and, and they work and they exist and they've been proven to work, but um, they have their own challenges as well, don't they? Well, they don't have a long-term, there is not a long-term change. The happy clappy is, is very short-term and short-lived. Yeah. But systemic, deep, deep cultural change um, Takes time. needs to be embedded. And again, it goes back to that intentionality yeah. and how, how the change is led yeah. at any level. Yeah, so you've got two things, haven't you? You've got the intention and execution. And so you're, what you're yeah. saying is that the intention is okay. It doesn't matter the execution is poor. I know you're not really saying that, but I'm just going to throw that no. out as a... I'm going to throw that out as a sort of um, provocative point. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're saying if the intent, if the intention is good, that the, the execution, execution doesn't matter. Poor. Well, I'm just saying the execution yeah. is poor. That's okay then, because the ex intentionality oh, no. was right. Oh. No. no, and this is of, all part of. But a, but a lot of leaders use that excuse, don't they? What they do is they 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 bully they trample over people they display a lack of empathy and they just say well my intentions are right well and that's where my that's where my resilience story comes from because that was i had i was dealing with some workplace bullies mm. and um and they were going to they they had they saw things from how from their way of seeing and um they decided to take action in the way they were taking action. Um, and it became a leadership issue, a personal leadership issue for me um, and how I responded to that. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. How did you cope? Two things. One of, uh, without going into all the details of the story, I created, um, I I created change within 
it, within the, the spheres that I could influence. Yeah. I couldn't influence them. They were going to be idiots. They were going to be um, malprops. Um, yeah, got it. No matter what I did. Yeah. But my coping could be to work within my sphere of influence um, to lead positively and well and create relationships and and opportunities for yeah. for creating change within within my sphere. And then there was personal, then there were personal decisions that I needed to make, which yeah. is what led me to starting turning points. Yeah. That's and that's the point, isn't it? So so um if people like to know more, if people like to get hold of you, uh see more of your work, tell us, tell them how they can get hold of you. Absolutely. Well, there are three three ways people can work with me. There's um the one-on-one leadership coaching. You can go to uh, liveworksatisfied.com mm-hmm. um, and that is my web page my home web page and you can uh, fill out a, a contact me form um, again that's l-i-v-e liveworksatisfied.com that's satisfied with a d on the end um, so the one-on-one leadership coaching i also uh, have a turning points leaders community Ooh. on uh hosted in mighty networks and that's equipping people at any level of leadership there are there's open coaching there's an hour of open coaching each month there's an accountability call each month and there's a leadership seminar each month that comes with that membership that they can find that at turning hyphen points hyphen community dot we'll link we'll link to it in the show notes don't oh, worry because mighty my, my networks addresses are over also about eight miles long so that's the second yeah. way what's the third way and the third way is I also um, practice positive intelligence. I'm a positive intelligence practitioner, the work of Shirzad Shamim. And so people can spend six weeks in a program unpacking their, um, how they're saboteurs, they're judge, they're hyper achiever, they're hyper vigilant, they're avoider, how their saboteurs are getting in their way so that they can actually shift um, and access their sage power. So it's a positive intelligence program. So those are the three ways primarily that people can work with me. So your site, podcast. your site, podcast, uh, podcast, what's in the site and the podcast called? Oh, uh, it is, if you search Turning Points in Leadership, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Podcasts, um, Turning Points in Leadership, and you'll find it, it's on the left from podcast channels so if Brilliant. you uh search search that you should be able to find it so you've no excuse everybody you can pop out and um see what else is going on there listen to podcasts join the community have some coaching and um oh something else but there you go <laughs> that's enough isn't it Kristen? yeah absolutely. busy absolutely. person Thank you so much yeah. for spending time with us today. I've really enjoyed it. All the links will be in the show notes as always. And I've been um, thoroughly enjoying our chat. And uh, thanks for being a very interesting and thought-provoking guest. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. You know, I have little time for idle chit-chat. So I love these conversations, Russell, where you can just dig in and yeah. go deep. And thank you for challenging me and bringing those, um, Pleasure. you know, bringing your thoughts to the fore so I can respond to them. Really appreciate Perfect. that. Oh, well, thanks so much. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. 
If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.